0: Welcome back to the Enjoy the Walk podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We had FedEx Cup playoffs in our backyard. Uh, I was lucky enough to go and see it for myself. Shout out to Boston Scott, Steve Hoffman, Sebastian Munoz for getting us the plug, the the ticket into the Sunday round at the the BMW Championship at Kays Valley up in Owens Mills. Um, Incredible event there awesome venue we'll we'll dive into the course layout we'll dive into probably the playoff of the year i think without a doubt maybe the playoff of the last 10 years i can't remember a playoff dante that put more heroics and theatrics into uh, a final sunday like this one so um Excited to dive in, man. You got to watch it on TV and even still thought it was incredible. So I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of how we play off of what we remember TV versus being there, you know, and, and how that kind of plays.
1: Yeah. I mean, the funny thing was I turned on the TV right around the end of it. I didn't really catch the tournament at all. And the only thing that I actually caught on television or any action of the tournament itself was the playoff as it started. And I kind of just glued my ass to the seat and didn't move like I was like I had like all this stuff I had to take care of and I'm like I was like in the middle of it and next thing I know I just stopped doing what I was doing and immediately just like stared at the TV and didn't move for the duration of the time and I I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything just because after just watching like the first I would say the first two holes you know Bryson's bombing it way by him you know, Cantley like, gets himself in some in some tricky trouble on on the first playoff hole. Gets him makes the putt when he actually has to. Then they go to they go back and do it again. And it was pretty much, I think. I'm trying to remember. I think the second one they just they both hit it on the green and two putted their way, right?
0: Yeah. Well, it was crazy too, right? Like the way you mentioned that, and and we'll dive into it. I want to dive into a little bit of the kind of overall experience of how i saw the course first before we yeah. dive into that playoff but they both struggled at different you know points during that playoff and they both found a way to make things happen to stay alive both of them were on the ropes at different points too so we'll we'll definitely dive into that um i mean i, I want to just dive into you know first off the the overall venue um and talk about how i kind of saw it from from walking into the event
1: yeah what was like what was your strategy like going into the event? Like, how'd you want to experience your time? Cause I know like, that's what I love about golf too, is, is when you go and it's not like when you go to any uh, arena sports game and everybody sits in the seat and they see the same game. Yeah. Uh, when you go to a golf event and everybody sees something completely different depending on how you tackle that, that event. So I mean like, what did you have a strategy going into it? I mean, what,
0: well, so I, I definitely did Uh tee times on Sunday started at seven thirty. Now there were a lot of great names going off early, uh, but I had a two and a half hour drive. So I didn't, you know, I didn't want to wake up at, you know, before sunrise and get there and then spend all day there. And then, try and outlast the sun pretty much. And, and
1: next it, thing you know, it's like noon, one o'clock and you're, you're shot.
0: And you're shot, exactly. So that's actually what time I, I got there. I got there right around one o'clock um, as the leaders were starting to tee off. Uh, with that being said, I did miss big names like uh, Cam Champ. I missed Kevin Kisner, Phil Mickelson. Um, so I did miss a couple of those guys. Uh, unfortunately, Jordan Spieth too. You know, Some of the guys that I probably really would have liked to see uh, just were off the course by the time I got there. Um, but I, you know, I got to see the leaders, I got to see them tee off and that was kind of my plan. So I got there. Um, my first, you know, initial spot was like, all right, let's go watch these guys warm up. Uh, tried to get to the range, uh, to see Bryson Cantley, Rory. Um, and actually as I got to the range, Rory was just walking off. So I didn't get to see him hit any balls, but I got to watch, um, I got to watch Abe answer, hit some balls. I got to watch, um, Xander Shafley, who actually, played earlier that morning kind of come back to the range and try and work on some things so that was cool like, too seeing him work on the range at the same time as these leaders were going off what was your experience with like the range because i know a lot of people say like right
1: you have all these different avenues you can take them when you want to go to a course and see what you want to see right you can follow a player you can walk every hole uh you can just post up at a couple group of holes but a lot of people now are telling you to go to the range like just mm-hmm. go sit back and just watch these guys in the rain like now from what i'm hearing is that really as hyped up it it's supposed like as they're saying
0: here's the here range? was like, my what? funny experience um obviously like i said the last two groups were there so abe answer was hitting balls Deshambo was hitting balls cantley was hitting balls and and cantley was the farthest left and as i turned the corner because that's where i really came up to the range was the left hand left hand side Cantley was hitting balls and there really wasn't a lot of people around Cantley. Um, And so I kind of just was able to walk right up to the fence line and, and take some videos of him hitting balls. And let me just tell you before I even dive any further into my range experience, how just accurate this dude is with every club he pulls out of his bag. They're, they're not on like maybe a draw line or a, a cut line. He hits some of the straightest shots I've seen out of any tour pro. Um, that's what I picked up from Cantley right away, watched him hit three or four shots. And these balls were just on ropes. I mean, deadline ropes. Um, so right off the bat, I was like, all right, Cantley's dialed. Cantley could contend today. Um, and then as I went to walk down the rest of the range at the end, I knew Bryson was down there somewhere, but let me tell you, it was almost like tiger esque effect. It was 20, 30 deep around Bryson watching him hit balls. And like I said, I walked right behind Cantley and barely anybody was there. The entire focus was at the right end of the range where Bryson was hitting balls. It was incredible how many people were stacked up watching this man hit range balls.
1: And I'm assuming he probably had driver in hand.
0: This was the best part. So he he was going back and forth between driver and then iron and then driver and then iron. Every time he put the driver back in the bag, boo. And every time he went to put a hand on it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was hilarious how much crowd reaction he was getting out of just pulling one club either in and out of the bag. It was wild. And you didn't even have to be close to him to know what club he was going to pull out of the bag. It was all fan reaction. Um, And then the video I sent you was pretty evident. People were just enamored by how hard he was hitting the driver. Um and and this was the first time I got to see Bryson, you know, post yoke, I guess you could call it, because I, I got to watch him down at the, the players' championship in twenty nineteen, I believe it was, right before the pandemic kind of came through. Um, so it was down at the players, got to watch him play. Um, and obviously he still hit it longer than, but he wasn't. I will tell you this the ball coming off his driver compared to Patrick Cantley or Abe answer or even Rory. It sounds different. It, it's just, it, it's inexplainable. I, I don't really know what to pinpoint it as what it sounds different, but it just pierces through the air different than you've really heard any other golf ball come off a driver before. It, it's incredibly impressive.
1: That's, so the, uh, the hype is real when it comes to Bryson's. I know, would say,
0: so here's, here's my track. thing. I would say ball speed. Yes. He's not, he doesn't look that massive like right like they're making this thing like he put on like so much weight. I think he's already thinned out of a little bit of it because he doesn't look that massive. I was going to
1: make that comment cuz I was watching him on TV and I was like man he he looks a lot thinner. You know remember like a year and a half ago he got just absolutely massive like no yeah. neck Bryson. <laughs> right? Like yep. I and mean, he had that he had that one photo where he was like walking through and like with the collar and his how what how wide he was and how much mass he was putting on he was huge like and i'm sitting there looking at him and i said yo he's i think he's happy where he's at with his speed he developed uh-huh. that now he's going he's cutting back up again he is he definitely he's is. kind of like the the bryson the og bryson you know physique just like this golfer right yeah like, you know he doesn't look like a linebacker anymore he's just coming into he's like that's a guy you walking down the street he's like you know he probably plays golf
0: yeah well I, I'll, t- I'll tell you this and I think what was really cool to see too in his iron swings in his driver swings um and, and we'll get into his putting later where I think his putting downfall is but his breathing routine was what really like kind of captured me and was like all right that's what he's doing different right now than everybody else he's taking a lot of short but deep like inhale and exhales to really like, I guess, get his heart rate going, get his like adrenaline going to hit these long drives. That's what I saw that just completely blew me away. And it's on every swing. It's not just on the long drives. It's funny
1: that you say that and kind of like your perspective on that, because I was told to once when I'm over the ball, take a nice deep breath uh-huh. and like, and then exhale it relaxes your body. So the nerves are out, the tension's out. So when you take it back, you're just fluid. Yeah. Which cause in order to hit the long ball, you need speed. You know, it's kind of like slow is smooth and smooth is fast from uh, from the Mark Wahlberg movie. <laughs> yeah. teaching them. Like in order to, like you wanna be slow, you wanna be smooth, but you wanna be fast. And that's what I so that's um I do notice like a lot of these pros now, they are very down to the T the is when they're breathing. It's insane.
0: Yeah. Um, it, it was definitely something, you know, when you get to see these players up close, it's definitely something you get to realize when you're there in person versus just kind of seeing it on TV. You don't get to see a lot of their pre-shot routines. You just kind of get the real quick snapshot of them, them taking their swing. Um, so that was definitely something I realized, whether it was him, um, whether it was the guys, different guys over putts, uh, even short game shots. All these pros have such a unique breathing routine and all of it boils down to how have they figured out to calm their nerves, to hit the, the perfect shot in the right time. And I I think that was something that I even told my dad when I was driving home, that was one thing that I realized. I was like, man, I I could really gain something from that of learning some breathing techniques. I mean, it even
1: kind of goes back to, you know, going back into like the gym or working out or doing yoga is like, make sure you're regulating your breathing, your breath. And, because, you know, tensing up isn't going to get you the, the full effects of yeah. what you're trying to do or if you're trying to push out weight, you know, heavy weight, make sure that you exhale and not it's insane how effective just breathing and taking a simple breath is. You'd be like, Oh well, it's just breathing. Well no, like you breathing like the correct proper way within the, the activity or the sport that you're doing is going to benefit you greatly. For the outcome that you're looking for. It's insane.
0: Absolutely. And so, I mean, right off the bat, that was kind of something, even three or four holes in, I noticed, and I was like, Man, I'm gonna, I'm gonna look out for that the rest of the day because I i think I see it, but I wanna I wanna confirm that I'm seeing it. And and the more you looked for it, the more I saw it. Uh every pro had some sort of breathing uh, you know, mechanism that they were using on full shots or putts or whatever, and and that was really cool to see. And Um, so yeah, so that's, you know, that was my range experience. I saw Bryson getting hyped and the fans absolutely loving it. Um, and and the fans did not disappoint the rest of the day as loud as they were around the range. They were that loud on every tee shot on every hole, even if you were four or five holes away. The focus was on that Cantley DeShambo group, especially as the day ran on. They kind of separated themselves from the field, obviously getting the 27 under late in the day. They were four strokes clear of the lead by the time they got to like 13 or 14. So basically, everyone had kind of, if you weren't following the what I would call the, a killer pairing of Sergio Garcia and John Rahm, if you weren't following those guys, or if you weren't following, um, the Rory McIlroy group, which had a ton of early followers because people thought he could have made a push, um, everyone was circling back to watch that Deshambo Cantley because it turned into a prize fight at the end. Really, it did. I mean, back and forth between the two guys, um, but it was just it was crazy to watch those two duke it out. But early on, um, I went from the range off to the first tee, watched the leaders tee off, and then tried and fall tried to follow Rory for about three or four holes, and. I think Rory might be the most underrated, yoked player out there right now. He looks just like a powerhouse right now. He's still got that classic Rory strut that makes him look like the cockiest mother effer on the the golf course. I mean, chest out, just strutting his stuff. Um, He didn't bring his best stuff, yes, on Sunday. But I mean, from a look perspective, boy, does he look good right now.
1: So he's just, he's that yoked, I guess you could say, or that in shape.
0: Dude, I'm telling you um, what, I think from an all around athletic perspective, you could go put Roy McIlroy, I I think on a, on a football pitch, you could go put Roy McIlroy probably in the, you know, rugby sevens. I think he could compete in a rugby sevens. I mean, he just, he looks sturdy, like legs look fit, upper body looks sturdy. He just looks good. Um, and, And I, I think, you know, people always knock Rory for, you know, maybe being a little bit past his prime and missing his chances. I think Rory's still got a good eight to 10 years left him. If he stays as fit as he is right now.
1: I'm sure. I mean, these guys are so intact with their, their diet and their regimen and their workout routines. I mean, it's, it's a full fledged job. You know, it's it, it ain't no hobby as they, as some <laughs> like to say, it's crazy how much they're putting into, into it. And, and that's kind of like, you know, we go back and forth on that, like the whole distance debate, like the golf's really, it, it's not the hobby that some of these guys got lucky into and struck gold and were able to win some, you know, big prize funds. Uh-huh. I mean, these guys are coming out and they're putting everything that they have into it. I mean, they, it, they are becoming athletes and it's, it's not like you go back to the distance debate. It's not because they're, yeah, they hit it for us because they're putting in the work. And they're studying, and they're and they're exercising the the muscles, and eating the right foods in order to give them the best performance when they step it on to the first take.
0: No, absolutely, and I think you know when you talk about that kind of focus on optimizing every last ounce. One guy that I was just absolutely kind of shocked with. I know everyone talks about how long he is for his stature. Abraham answer he pummels the ball for as short as he is and when i say short i'm like shocked at not only how short but like i felt like if the wind blew at caves valley the wrong way it would take him off the golf course he's we're so skinny like, he's not talking
1: dante meaty. short then
0: we're talking dante short and we're talking like string bean i mean like clothes could have been falling off of him it was he, he's that skinny it, it's it, it amazes me the power he puts behind the ball for how tiny he is but when you talk about Pound for pound, one of the best, I think, hitters on tour. Abe answers your number one guy. And, and accuracy, some of the wedge shots and, and iron shots he was hitting, they, they never left the pin. Um, he, he was fun to watch. And, and one of those kind of underrated guys who I'm not going to lie, I didn't expect to really enjoy watching because I just kind of forgot he was there. He was kind of one of the mundane guys, even though he was T2, T3. Um, but boy, he was fun to watch.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, see, I always like, you know, power with my short people over here, my short guys, all my shorter players, because... And that's what's great about golf. It's not like certain sports where, you know, unfortunately you have to be a certain height or a certain size. Like, I mean, look at you. got Rory, who's, you know, he's 5'7". He's on the shorter side, but he's, like, massive. Um, And then you got, like, kind of like DJ, who's, like, this tall, lanky, string bean dude that just produces all his speed. And you got Bryson, (laughs) who's a decent size, but just, like just straight-up fit and doing everything. And you got guys like Abe Anser and, and Brian Harmon. Like, I love watching Brian Harmon because we're the same height, like, same stature, and I just <laughs> love watching him play because, you know, that's that's someone of my of my size to where, like, oh, I can really emulate that guy and copy kind of, like, what he's doing, even though he's a lefty. But I, I love to see it, and that's that's awesome to see. Like, they, these guys, can they can still get after it, it don't matter, like, the size that they are.
0: Yeah, for sure. And it's like, it was one of those things too, where caves Valley made everybody look small this weekend. Like the, the undulation on this course, the, the kind of grand, um, elevation change that was at this place was, was bar none. I mean, it, it definitely stacked up there with maybe top three courses as far as elevation change that I've ever gotten to walk. Um, Baltimore golf is just different, man. When when you get into the foothills of like the Baltimore metro area, the Owens Mills area, Town, even Baltimore Country Club, the East Course, where they've held a couple amateur events. They've held the PGA back in like 1928. They held the Big Ten Championships there. They've held NCAA Championships at Baltimore Country Club. Um, Baltimore, like suburb golf, is just in such grand mountains that it, it amazes me the challenge that should have been there for these guys and then how low the guys took it this week. Like it it was, it was an incredible uh, contrast to, I think a lot of the golf courses that I play down here and like the Eastern shore, that are pretty flat. Even some of the courses, I mean, from what I understand and have been there once or twice running deer is not that crazily undulated. It's kind of flatter than most. It's still got some Hills. It it's undulated by, by manpower.
1: Correct. It's not undulated by the, the terrain of the area because I mean at that point you're just getting closer and closer to the shore and to the beach and it's just flat walking out into the water. The course the course is designed to have undulation. You're not building a course within the hills.
0: One hundred percent. And and it's just something where like I don't know if you saw it from a TV perspective, but this like some of these holes, and not mostly the back nine, mostly to front nine, just I mean they were walking down the side of mountains once, you know, from tea to green and vice versa. It was, it was really incredible to see. I feel like when it comes
1: to like very hilly or undulated courses, the TV just doesn't do it justice because I mean, they do it every year at the masters at Augusta mm-hmm. and everybody talks about like, Oh, the TV doesn't do it justice for how hilly the course is. I, I just think it's hard to get that on camera. And I'm actually shocked that you going over this course and kind of the area because Baltimore doesn't strike me or I guess you can say the northern side or the outskirts of Baltimore right doesn't really strike me as a hilly area
0: no and that's what I think blows a lot of people's minds like I was on the bus going into the golf course with with a couple like even like locals and they were telling a lot of the folks around them that weren't locals you know oh man this this course is a tough walk and like a lot of people are like really like we're in Baltimore. Like it should, it, yeah. how, how tough of a walk could it be? And, and I'm telling you this, I got my fair share of steps in of well-earned steps up and down the sides of, of Caves Valley. It was uh, it was a lot of fun to see. And it's just like, it puts into perspective too, um, just how, whether you want to admit it or not how athletic these guys are they walk this course in the pro am they walk it for four days if they make the cut and and they're still when bryson and and patrick cantley's case play seven more holes or six more holes and they're still out there grinding and not you know getting defeated by the golf course it was uh it was a trip to see it and i got to give not only caves valley maintenance the credit because the place looked immaculate but just give uh, the designer of Kays Valley some credit, too. Some of, the, some of the looks on some of these holes are just they, – they're so grand, you think you're in, like, a completely different world than just outside of Baltimore. That's,
1: I think that's just, like, something that you just love to say. It's kind of, like, mountainesque, right? You feel it, like you're it in is. the hills of, like, yep, you know, northern Pennsylvania, northeastern well, I, Pennsylvania. And
0: here's what I will say. I think the one drawback – about having all of the stands there and all of the I think I think the stands and like the TV towers and everything actually probably did the course some injustice because I think without all the towers and out all the stands you could probably look from like the hill above 18 green and see about 12 holes if not if not more so I think the stands took away a lot of the grand views now granted K's Valley still put on a show, but just for example, when you're standing at 17 T, you should be able to see 18. You should be able to see 10, 11, 16, 15. Uh, yeah. 15 and 16 coming down. Like there should be at least a five or six hole view just from that one point alone, let alone other spots on the property. So um, obviously an incredible course, nonetheless, and it still showed out and was incredible views for the TV and in person. But I I think, and and I would love nothing more than to go back when all these stands are back down and just be able to see the property again and kind of get that contrasting view from what I saw there during the BMW.
1: That's Yeah, right. That's awesome.
0: So, I mean, just looking at the, uh, I highly suggest for anyone who's wondering what we're talking about, go to www.cavesvalley.net, click on their golf link. They've actually got flyovers of every hole without the stands, obviously, you know, for their members and whatnot. So go check that out. I think it's a really cool uh, kind of dive into what the course does look like without stands. So if you were there during the event, you can kind of play on the contrast of what it did and did not look like. Because I think it's one of the coolest uh, coolest things and it's one of the greatest golf courses without stands on it too. Um, but speaking of stands and where I was standing for most mm-hmm. of the day, uh, I want to talk about this little hidden gem spot Right on 15, uh, on the green of 15, headed up to the T box on 16. Um, I stood there for most of the afternoon because it was just really a hot spot. The players had to cross from 15 green to 16 T. All the players came through there. They were throwing golf balls and stuff like that to kids that were standing along the ropes. So it was just a really great spot. Got to watch guys like DJ, JT, Lee Westwood, Sebastian Muno, shout out Boston Scott there, Sergio and Rom, Brooks and Harold Varner, uh, Kevin non is caddy. Kenny harms. Shout out to him. I yelled at Kenny harms about four different times during the day. So I hope he heard us. Um, if he did, we've had him on the podcast before. So, uh, maybe he saw me, maybe he didn't, who the heck knows, but he gave me a couple thumbs up. So maybe he was just being nice. Maybe he knew who the heck I was, who knows. Um, but, uh, it was just such a great spot. Players had to hit drivers off that hole. So you got to watch them really play their long game. You got to watch them play their mid to long irons into the, into the green and then a lot of them were either missing the green, just short left or, or hitting some pretty good shots in. So you got to see the short game on display. Um, and then you got to watch them hit bombs all off of par five, 16th tee. So it was just, it was a fun spot to see a lot of the grades come through.
1: That's, that's awesome. Cause I know I love going to like one time I've gone to tournaments where we just stood because we were right against the ropes and they were probably maybe five feet from us. No, no more than that. Um, tee off on one of the second holes my dad and I when we went to a tournament and then like I went to like another one kind of like you find that one spot that like hidden spot where it's mm-hmm. like a couple holes to where it's just perfect you're you're by a green you got kind of like the you want the aspect of like alright I got a green next to me so I can see them kind of get up and down around the greens and, and you know make putts then oh if I look to my other like to my right or my left i got these guys teeing off Mm -hmm. and then you're in the middle and then you look to your other side and you got like guys freaking sitting there uh hitting shots into the green like it's like you get it all and you don't have to move
0: it's just it's one of those things where it gives you such an incredible perspective when you've got that much going on iron game short game driver and to watch these guys at within like a 10 minute period hit that many different shots at such a high level, it just gives you such an appreciation for the game and like how good those guys truly are. It was, it, it was definitely like, if, if you can find a spot like that on a golf course in a live event, I think it's just, it's a no brainer to post up there for a couple hours.
1: Yeah. Cause it's insane. Cause you see guys hit, like you said all different types of clubs and all different shots because they're going after that one tiny spot based off of their game plan and their distances and the hole and kind of what they see. Because, like, I saw guys hit anywhere from driver three wood into, like, long iron or driving iron. When mm-hmm. I was, I think it was, was it Plainfield Country Club up in North Jersey when we went, it was the Barclays at the time, and that's same thing. Like, yep. you just watch these guys roll up, and they were, like, into that specific spot like where do I want to be from my set best to have the best opportunity to get closest to the hole from my, for my for my second shot it's insane
0: yeah and it's just like um it, it's wild to me um sometimes you get it and then sometimes like like beth page for example there's not a lot of places when I, that was the last like live tournament i went to beth page doesn't have a lot of those spots cuz the holes are kind of spread out like from T to green are, are kind of really spread out. There's not a lot of spots to make that happen. So some courses have it. Some courses don't when you go to watch live events like that, but you know, man, when you, when you find a little, little hidden gem spot like that, it's tough to leave. And especially cause I was right next to the concessions and shout out oh. to the BMW and caves Valley. They had a caves. Uh, I think they called it a caves Valley. Um, Oh, what do they call it? caves valley punch or something like that it was it was just vodka and peach tea or something like that really smooth um may or may not have had three or four of those during the afternoon so uh we were primed up and ready to go for the playoff and uh i mean it was just a blast so you know i stayed on 15 until bryson and cantley came through uh bryson made par cantley had a phenomenal look at birdie missed it uh, and then from there i basically trucked it up to 17 T where you could hear what was going on on 16 green, but you couldn't see it. Uh, and then watched the guys tee off on 17. So um, I pretty much followed them in all the way until 18. And then I stuck it out on 18 T because uh, I figured 18 T was pretty close to the exit. So I was like, all right, well, I'll just hang out here. Bryson's going to go up there, knock it in for par and win. Right. Wrong obviously can't leak hands that birdie uh to to even it up and then we go to a playoff so little did I know I was already prepped for myself because they were coming back down 18 for a playoff to be in a perfect spot to watch these guys play and then right across from 18t was a massive screen that was showing what was happening up up above so the only kicker was it was on about a five second delay. So you could hear the screams from up at 18 green before you could see what was happening on the big screen. Um, So it was a pretty dynamic, uh, dynamic setting. Um, I will say this. Every time Cantley and DeShambeau rode the rode the carts back from 18 green to 18 T, they got like a hero's ovation. It was incredible from the stands that were wrapping basically 90 yards down the fairway is where the stands wrapped down to, um, all the way back to the T fans were just raising all kinds of hell, which was the greatest thing. They were like super appreciative of it. Um, it was definitely one of the coolest settings and it was the most I've ever ran on a professional golf tournament in my life.
1: Oh, you ran, you were one of the, one of the few to.
0: Oh, buddy, I wasn't women. i wasn't one of the few. I was one of the many, the proud. Yeah. The fans.
1: Yeah, right. yeah. So
0: I, <laughs> I ran from 18T when they took it to 17 all the way around 18T and the stands they had set up and up into the grandstands behind 17T. Now, I don't want to get canceled for this, but here's what happened. <laughs> when they were done 17, all the staff that was basically Manning the suites that were behind 17 T and around, or I mean, 17 green and around 17 green had left. They weren't expecting it to go to a playoff. So by the time they wrapped the playoff back to 17, no one was there checking wristbands. No one was there checking like media badges or like, you know, suite badges or whatever. So it was a free for all. As fast as you could run to fill the seats around the 17 green. By the time the playoff got there, you could get there. So I sat in the suite, I think box H shout out box H and whoever occupied that for the rest of the week. Um, I had a great view of, of 17 playoff. And then when they were done, 17, and went back to 18. Cause they tied again. I ran back from 18. So I made, I made laps from eight or 17 green to 18 T and back and forth and back and forth until it was over.
1: Looks like you burned off those uh those few cocktails you had earlier in the day.
0: Burn them off real quick. I was just I was as sober as a, as you could be walking out of there. That was for sure.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, because that was, again, from like my, you know, viewpoint. That was a very electric playoff. I mean, it was just insane. Just the way, like you were saying, people running all over the place, you know, trying to get. The best view they possibly can because i mean it was I mean, i'm trying to like compare it to another sport as to like how i can feel like like a certain like championship it almost kind of reminded me of um the super bowl with uh, with the eagles and the patriots where the game was just constantly back and forth it was just touchdown yes. after touchdown after touchdown after touchdown you know back and forth and that's how it felt because it just you know Bryson either got himself in the trouble, or Cantley got himself in the trouble, or when someone needed to make a putt, they did. And like my favorite hole out of all that is, Bryson hits a shot on that par three, sticks it close, then Cantley hits it, or we'll have vice versa, sticks it even closer. Yeah. I was like, oh, this would be great. This will end it. Someone make birdie. Someone make par. Game over. Like now nah, we're just gonna have tap and pars and move on to the next hole.
0: You know what the craziest thing for me was? And this was, I think, my favorite part of the entire playoff. When Bryson's back was against the ropes after he hits that ball in the water, yes. takes the drop, and then stuffs it. Yes. Absolutely stuffs
1: it to, like, three feet. That's – I when he pushed – when he sliced that one off the tee, I said, that's it. That's over.
0: Yep. Get you and everyone it. else. I can't tell you how many people probably walked out of the gates and regretted it and were trying to run back in. Because of what happened. There were so many people that were directly around that 18T that I watched go right out the gates from 18T and didn't even watch him hit that approach shot.
1: Yeah. I mean, and that I feel like the two biggest shots right there were on the first playoff hole where Cantley had that had that like very touchy shot because he pulled it and Bryson was sitting pretty. And the this third shot in that Bryson had due to the penalty of hitting into the water. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys just—and the best thing Cantley really said—he goes, "This is like another, another shot, another day for me." Like that guy was just ice in his veins.
0: Well, and it was—it was wild to me because yes, he had ice in his veins, but not the first playoff hole, and not even the second. He struggled to hit the green. He pulled both approach shots and kind of got lucky with the second approach shot that it bounced off that hill and kind of, you know, wound yes. up towards the center. Um, he looked nervous early, which you know, the fact that he got through the first two were wild to me. Like he got through the first two holes and then it was game on from there. It seemed like after he got through 18 and 18 and then they both made it through 17 again, his nerves calmed down. And he kind of found his own after that.
1: Yeah. And I think like what the coolest thing about that playoff and like what you were saying, like before we kind of went on was the fact that Bryson used his biggest advantage, which was the driver Mm -hmm. and, Cantley used his biggest advantage, which was his irons, and it was funny because we were talking how you were saying Bryson was just absolutely pounding the ball. Yep. And then Cantley, I was like, it seemed like his swing just seemed a little different because he was, it, like I said, he was uh, taking kind of um conservative shots off the tee to make sure he found that fairway.
0: Oh, absolutely. I, I think you know, and, and I want to go back to talking about where I stood on fifteen. 15- Um, and, and seeing the perspective, there was a big monitor on the right-hand side that was showing you how far players had in on 15 coming into their approach shots. When, when Cantley and Bryson came through, this was just absolutely wild to me. Uh, Cantley had 207 to play into 15 green. Bryson had 154. I mean, the, the difference was incredible. And it showed in the playoff, too. When Bryson hit the fairway, he was way up on the hill on 18 compared to where Cantley was. Cantley couldn't carry no matter how hard he hit it. Now, like you and I talked about, was he trying to hit a fairway finder? Maybe. But I think even when he pounded the first one, it didn't get past that first bunker on the left. Bryson was flying that bunker easily every time. Even the ball he hit way right like out of, uh, into the water was way past the kind of curvature in, in the fairway he was bombing it past Cantley
1: that too and the crazy thing is like you know going back to like the 207 154 mm-hmm. you know to some that may be a club or two difference the way bryson's putting his speed on and the way his clubs are built it's probably like a 3 4 club difference between the between the two of them
0: absolutely i, I can't i can't imagine like in can't. that scenario when it was 207 and 154 154 Bryson had to hit some sort of wedge there right like
1: absolutely yeah That's and, and then I mean, at Cantley 207
0: at, at 207 Cantley's hitting maybe a six maybe a five at yeah. being 510 I don't know what clubs he's hitting my five my 510 ass is hitting a five iron mm-hmm. and I mean I'm a plus handicap so I'm a little bit closer I'd like to think to Cantley's ball speed and, and range there I'd hit five iron there all day but maybe he hit six I'm not sure but either way, Six iron versus wedge is huge advantage, Bryson. Huge.
1: So like, it, it's like it's wild to me. Like, yeah, that's what kind of blew my mind, and I was kind of like thinking about that a little bit. It's like, yeah, okay. I was like, yeah, you're saying he's bombing the ball, but he was like maybe like fifty, so like fifty yards ahead of him,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is is like you think like, all right, it's not it's not that that big of a deal, but. Then you go back to, like, knowing, like, their games and the club differences is what their selection is and what they're pulling. That's a huge difference.
0: Absolutely. And, and what it boils down to me is, and, and where, obviously, uh, that like the age-old saying, drive for, drive for show, putt for dough, worked in Cantley's favor this weekend. He it didn't did. hit it the farthest by any means. But Bryson simply could not make a putt. And I had to laugh. Uh, Graham McDowell tweeted out, the USGA and RNA might never consider banning arm lock putters after watching Bryson's putting display at the BMW.
1: <laughs> Dude, honestly, I think like you he's right because thinking about it, I think you have more chances to pull putts. Because if you're arm locking and it's just your left arm from a right-handed golfer and you push and that arm moves slightly, that whole thing's going with you.
0: Absolutely. And it it blows my mind, right? Because it's one of two perspectives. Bernhard Langer went to the arm lock and just putted an absolute like out of his mind, like ballistic. And then in the absolute like other side of things, Bryson goes to the arm lock and can't put worth a lick. So it's interesting. Do I think Bryson's going to always struggle with putting? No, I think he will figure it out. But it wasn't with him this week at the BMW.
1: I think he's so analytical, he'll figure out what he needs to do. I think it just comes down, again, I'll say it again, I mean, I've kind of pointed you in that direction. It's just straight mental. I think it just comes to, even like me, and even everybody with multiple putters, if you have like more than three putters, you have, you have some on the mental game side of things when it comes to putting, mm-hmm. you, might... <laughs> you might have some struggles.
0: Yeah, that's why I'm trying to get rid of one. That way, I'm not and in that three putter good. gang.
1: And then three putters are more, you don't have the mental game for your putting. You knock it down to two, you're, you're set. You're, you're draining putts. All
0: right. Well, hopefully, I can get rid of that third putter by September 4th because I'm going to be teeing it up in the Glover Park Tour national event yes. that's happening on their scoring app, guys. Go check it out. Glover Park Tour has released an app. So go into your app store, search Glover Park Tour and sign up. Uh, It's really something that I, Dante, I don't think exists in the golf world right now, which is why we think it's so cool and why we want you to be a part of it. We're going to be a part of it. Um, Sign up so you can play golf this weekend with your buddies at your home course and stack up on a national leaderboard for prizes. Guys, they're giving away, I think, over like $1,000 worth of prizes. They're giving away Sonos speakers. They're giving away gift cards. They're giving away all kinds of stuff. So go f- first, follow Glover Park Tour on Instagram at Glover Park Tour, and then go sign up for their app in the App Store, uh, Glover Park Tour, national scoring app. It's, you can uh, sign up and play.
1: It's Glover Park Golf. When you, if you go to the App Store, type in Glover Park Golf, and it'll pop right up. Um, that thing is sick. Uh, you know, I had a, had a chat with the Steve, um, from the Philadelphia sector. Uh, we had a great chat, John, just get an idea of how we can like work together, um, in the future and also kind of him just explaining it and damn, this is sick. It's basically taking kind of tournament golf and the virtual world and mixing it together. And the coolest thing is like, well, how, how can you do that? Well, they've come up with some type of algorithm or some type of math behind it to where if you're playing, we can play in a tournament, right, that's on, say, September 4th. There really is no set destination as to or what where the host or where the event's going to be. Mm-hmm. Dalton, you're going to play in it. I'm going to play in it. I'm going to play running deer, and you're going to play Glenn Riddle. They've come up with a calculation. As soon as you input your score based on the T's, based on the rating, based on where and this and that, like all the ins and outs that it goes to, like calculating, I guess you can say the average of your score and what weighs heavier than the other, that all comes into effect and then it'll end up basically picking a winner throughout the thing. And I think that's, that's like just – I mean, what more can it be in 2021 is like how we can – play golf, play competitive golf without having the struggle of being able, Oh, well, I'm going to close this course down to, you know, 50 to a hundred players and they all have to travel all over the country and all over the world just to play in this one event.
0: Yeah. I I think it just, this brings together all the great opportunities of what, (laughs) you know, we joke around about COVID bringing some of the best out of some things. I think COVID brought this, to fruition because everyone was stuck in their own like little bubbles and wanting to play competitive golf. Right. Um, You're able to do that now cross country at your home course. You don't have to travel. You don't got to find a hotel. You don't have to book up with some buddies to, to make the trip cheaper. You don't got to go spend groceries. You can play your home course. You can play any course around your area. Just log it in. And the algorithm takes care of the rest, as long as it's it's a par 70 or above you earn points. Simple as that. You're you're registered into the national tournament at that point.
1: And that and if you wanna for the national tournament, if you've had courts you know, scores posted, you can enter in past scores and they will go towards the point system in, in hopes for you to get into the national tournaments that they have in in the future in which that will be, you know, actual physical in person tournaments that can lead to even bigger prizes.
0: Yeah, and I think that the cool part about it is um, it, it's free to sign up. You know, there's no like membership fee. There's no, uh, pay this monthly to be registered. It's free to sign up, just go play. Um, and, and the grand scheme of this thing guys is, which I think is so cool, um, that, you know, obviously September 4th is kind of their, their first big go at, at having this national weekend tournament, but the grand scheme of this thing is to play monthly, to play weekly and, and stack up points throughout the year. And, and the winner, of, of the points race, I guess you could call it throughout the rest of this year has a chance at winning around at the 2022 farmer's insurance pro-am. Like we aren't messing around here anymore. We're, we're talking about going to play with the big boys in a pro-am at Tory Pines at the farmer's insurance. Uh, you can bring a friend as the caddy, you know, you don't, you aren't stuck with some random caddy. You can bring a plus one per se as your caddy out there. You get VIP access to the rest of the tournament. Um, we're talking about some legitimate, prizes here that are up for grabs if you go sign up for glover park golf
1: yeah and that's that's getting you know that's getting yourself into like obviously there's you're gonna have you know qualifying there is a qualifier for that um that's an actual in-person um tournament but in order to give yourself a chance you don't have to worry about having to travel to these destinations and spend all this type of money you can just go out to your local course your local muni, or if you belong to a private club, semi-private club, you name it, you go play your weekend around post that score, get some points, and in hopes that you're in the top, you know, say twenty-five points leaders, and you're getting an invite to the qualifier to get yourself to win some absolute amazing prizes and chances to play at some, you know, events that you'd probably never thought you'd ever step foot on.
0: Yeah, and I think the other thing is is too right, like within the app, which I think is probably the, the the best part of it all. You can interact with other members, you can kind of create groups with other members, chat with other members, create your own profile and and just really interact with people all over the country. So not only is it this golf event where you can actually go play golf, log golf, track your golf, but you can also start to network with other people around the country that are playing in Glover Park golf. So um guys like i just i can't say enough incredible things about it go be a part of their first event this weekend this is our first virtual golf tournament saturday september 4th go sign up glover park golf in the app store uh code two four three five nine four we'll put this in the link in the bio as well two four three five nine four um you can go follow glover park golf as well as they update you on how to sign up but go sign up in the app store go be a part of it go play your home course bring your buddies in get them to sign up so you can compete with them you can compete with us because we're gonna go play um and just be a part of this incredible uh I would say network of of like-minded amateur golfers that are just playing for the fun of it and adding a little competition to their lives.
1: Who loves, who doesn't love playing golf competition and win the prizes.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. And while we're talking about competitive golf, Let's talk about the Palm Springs Golf Championship too, Dante. We're going to talk about a couple amateur events here and a couple amateur quote-unquote tournaments. Um, Net and gross divisions out in Palm Springs as well. We'll be playing in the gross division this year. Um, This year is going to be incredible because everything's – open back up from the COVID restrictions that they dealt with last year. They're looking to fill 60 spots for the gross division and 125 for the net division. So all kinds of opportunity to go out to Palm Springs, California, and play it one week before the MX. Dante, how do you think your game's going to stack up against the pros this year? The
1: pros? get my ass handed to me. <laughs> but I can't wait to play it. <laughs> I can't wait to play, it. probably going to try and, um, you know, just grind over the, over the winter. Uh, I, the crazy thing is I'm a mutter. Uh, we have a nice saying over, over here in Jersey. We were a bunch of mutters. We'll play in any, any type of weather, whether it's raining, whether it just, you know, you know, a, a storm just ripped through and the, the you know, there's puddles everywhere or it's frozen and it just defrosted or mm-hmm. it snowed and somehow one area, it, of your um, your town didn't get snow and that course is open, <laughs> even though like your house has like two feet of snow, like you're out playing, like I'm out there playing. I think this year I'm going to, you know, when it kind of comes towards like the winter, kind of more like, because you know how it is surprisingly, we can play no problem comfortably to like mid November. Yep. And then like the second half of November into like December, it's it's kind of iffy. And then like end of December, is kind of like, uh, you know, maybe I shouldn't play, but I got the itch, and the weather really ain't too bad. It might be a little wet. might be a little muddy. I'm going to go out and play. It might be a little frozen in the morning. It might thaw out a little bit later. Uh, so I think I'm going to focus a little bit more on the fundamental side of things. Um, I, I've seen I, – I know how hell of a – I know this course is tough. Um, I know the caliber of player that you and Trent are. I saw the scores last year. <laughs> They were not good. So- well,
0: I'll tell you this, um, and this is the craziest thing that I think I experienced. I did not pick up the clubs enough um, yes. in November and <laughs> December leading up to it. Was, um, <laughs> I had quite the the learning curve when I got back out there. I, um,
1: I, I think when you texted me, they really said, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you were just in, in shock and you're like, well, I, that did. And I think the craziest
0: thing too is right. You talk about being a mudder. I'm the same way where I live, we live in the Northeast. Um, you know, it, we, we, we play in mud over the winter. It's just plain I mean, and simple. Did, and you she... get out to Palm Springs where it's just yeah. firm, fast, and you know, you're bringing your nice shoes out and they don't get a speck of dirt on them because there is no mud out there. You're in a completely different environment too.
1: Right. I mean, how, I mean, you, we went to the same school. We all know how the uh, quote-unquote spring season is in at the marywood days. It, I mean, spring comes up as we are uh, finishing up our, our last matches or our, our last few games, and we're taking finals, and then spring finally arrives.
0: Yeah. No, it's it's crazy, man. It's It's just two different atmospheres, East Coast golf to West Coast golf. But that's the fun of it. That's why – we wanted to go out last year, um, you know, was to get that trip away from the cold East coast and start our year out right. Right. Like it was, you and I were kind of saying it's, it's kind of our new year's celebration. It's like that trip that get kicks off the new year of golf season for us, uh, especially on the East coast. So guys, you can go to fun dot com to sign up for the Palm Springs golf championship. Um, We're working on a coupon code for you all, so stick with us. It's only August. It'll be September 1st when we release this podcast, but we're working on a a coupon code for you, so hang tight with us. We'll get you that so you get a little discount on booking it. If you book with a friend, you get an even more discount on the rooms because they're double, double occupancy, so keep that in mind. Bring a friend. Um, it is going to be an incredible time. There's some great players that play in this event from the gross amateur side of things. Um, there was some UPenn guys out there last year, some Dartmouth guys. So some Ivy League representation. The guy that's won it last year, Cullen, has gone like four and seven under the past couple of years. So uh absolute stick. And you get to play PGA tour course conditions a week before the pros actually get out there and play for the Amex. So what other reason to go out and just enjoy a full week of, of golf out in Palm Springs. If you're a glutton for punishment, there's always afternoon games. So you play in the morning, get your lunch, and then go back out and play either the horse race, a little That's bit of an alternate shot scramble. I mean, we're talking golf business trip here. It's, this isn't no, uh, this ain't no, uh, you know, amateur hour out in Palm Springs. This is no, a golf. This, this is
1: a golf addict's paradise. This isn't a uh, go play your round of golf. Go get a nice dinner and then have like drinks at night and then repeat. This is golf have some drinks, have some dinner and then go golf again. And out there and it, it and that's what we talked about before, which I you know, unfortunately I missed out last year. But what I saw is, you know, you <laughs> I mean, I've seen some photos of you like passed out in a in a in a lazy bull. I mean I'll tell you what, knowing Dalton and some of the trips that we went on, this guy can sleep anywhere which hey, it's it's insane.
0: I earn my but sleep.
1: I, I don't know if you earn your sleep. I think you're just so exhausted you just you just pass out.
0: That's not too far from the truth. <laughs> but it's fun. But, it's uh, like that's yeah. that's what I go on golf trips for. I go on golf trips, especially when I'm going across coast, to pick up the clubs in the morning and play as much possible golf as I can from sun up to sundown. And then hit repeat for the entire time yeah. out there because that's what I'm going yeah. on the trip for
1: yeah you you know you're spending your money you're going to like these prime places it's like why do I want to go spend all this money to just sleep in and wake up when I can do that at home for free
0: that's oh absolutely how
1: see- that's how I've been seeing like my vacations well like, don't get me wrong a lot of my vaca- my vacations have been golf vacations or as they like to say golf occasions so I make sure I'm getting My the best bang for my buck, and and then plus some playing as much golf as I possibly can, exhausting myself to win it. When I'm flying home that Sunday, on that red eye, that Saturday night in the in the Sunday, I'm I'm just
0: toast. I want to be sleeping the entire way home. That's that's always the plan. Yeah. So guys, go check that out. Like I said, there'll be more to come from us as far as Palm Springs Golf Championship related. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Um, stay up to date with everything from us at enjoy the walk. Um, we're kind of revamping our email list. So go subscribe to that at www.enjoythewalkpod.com as well as follow us, following us on Instagram and Twitter at enjoy the walk pod. Um, you guys can check out that as well. So, uh, be on the lookout this week as well on our YouTube page, the Royal New Kent full front nine video from Dante and I's trip out there in April. Um, some, some funny, scenes some uh, frustrating scenes and overall just some incredible scenes of royal new kent and how incredible that golf course is as well
1: so it, it will be a good video Can't it's, a, a, it's a it's job. a
0: it's a gem let's just put it that way you guys will want to check that out uh, enjoy the walk Golf podcast on youtube go subscribe to that as well um That's it from us this week, guys, as always uh, get out there, carry your clubs and enjoy the walk. Um, We will have uh, another kind of BMW recap as we'll have um, one of their teaching pros on the show here coming up. Uh, possibly end of this week, maybe next week. We'll keep it as his own show, Uh, but he'll come on and kind of talk us through what it was like behind the scenes at the BMW all weekend long, making friends with tour pros, regripping some tour pros golf clubs, and getting to hang out with one of the top touring instructors um, on the PGA Tour right now. So... Um, he did all of that and more from inside the ropes at the BMW. So we'll get his, uh, his two cents on how fun the week was from his perspective as well. Cause I know it looked like a hell of a lot of fun from my experience uh, being there. And I know Dante, it looked like a hell of a tournament when you were watching on TV as well. So i um, excited to dive into that Dante. Any last words? Are we, uh, are we getting out and playing this weekend?
1: Uh, we are, I got some weddings to take care of first again. It's just, it's that, I'm at that age, and it's that time of the year um, so we got that. And then probably probably going get to a, get a nice round in on, uh, on, on Labor Day. Enjoy it. Playing with some of, some of the guys or our little money matches. But,
0: you know, nothing too crazy. But we'll, we'll get out there. You? Uh, probably parents are coming into town, which means Pops is bringing the clubs, which means which we'll means most likely quiet. get out at least once, maybe thrice. Um, we'll see what mom allows. Mom's, yeah, the, right. mom's the uh, dictator of where dad plays. Maybe I'll get out more. It might not be always with my dad, but mom loves yeah. her beach time. So we might, uh, we might only get out once or twice, but we'll get out nonetheless. Uh, looking like great weekend after this uh, tropical storm rolls through. So uh, should be great probably, weather for us here on the East Coast.
1: Probably cool some stuff off. Damn. It's been a hot and humid one.
0: It's been sticky. Absolutely sticky. sticky. But uh, yeah, guys, that's it, man. I appreciate everyone who listens. Uh, that's what I was actually, real quick, shout out if you're listening and you yes. shouted out and came up to me when I was at the BMW um, and said, hey, are you Dalton from Enjoy the Walk? Um, I, I texted Dante every time it happened. It was incredible. Thank you for listening. Thank you for coming up and saying something because that's one of the coolest things I think that can happen at a tournament like that. When you get someone in your local region that says, hey, I know you because I listen to you. Um, it means the world to us guys. You listeners are the reason we do this. Um, you're the reason why we can keep doing this and keep putting out content. You're our drivers. You know, we don't do this without you guys. Um, so thank you to everyone who came up and said hello. Um, it was incredibly like inspiring to us both to say, Hey, we're actually putting out content that you guys listen to. So um, I
1: wasn't even there and I was in all,
0: I mean, dude, when I tell you, um, it was just like holy shit, we are actually doing stuff that like people appreciate because it wasn't only hey you're just Dalton from Enjoy the Walk, it was hey you're the podcast guy right? Man, I love what you guys are doing. You're you're you know you guys are putting out good work, good messages, this out of the other, and it was just it was cool to know that people within the industry and fans of the golf game like what we do, appreciate what we do, and came up to me and said something about it because it it takes a little bit of um, I, I guess what's the word I'm looking for? It, it takes an appreciation for what you do for people to come up to you and say something about it. So, um, shout out to you guys. I was, uh, not in the realm of remembering your names cause there was so much going on. So I apologize. Um, but thank you for listening. Um, thank you for hopefully subscribing to the podcast. If you haven't already, Um, and do me a favor. If you did come up to us, share our podcast, because it would mean the world. Um, That's how we get, you know, the exposure we do is not only Instagram and Facebook, but word of mouth too. So uh, appreciate everyone who listens. Thanks again. And like we said, as always get out there, carry your clubs and enjoy the walk and enjoy your Labor Day weekend.